What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another Motive Podcast. This is number 48, and I am Shaden Bertinoli. I'm a licensed therapist and uh, glad to be talking to you. So the focus of our podcast is always to help you solve life's hardest problems. And uh, today, I, uh, I'm going to wing one a little bit when it comes to a topic that's new to me in my life, I would say. It's not something that I would consider myself an expert in at all. But I definitely know it's something I'm needing to work on in my life and get better at. And that is, the topic is really like the power of the power of focusing on now, being in the moment, right? So, had a moment. Uh, let's see. I don't know, maybe a month ago, and uh, I was, uh, I think I was talking to someone, and they re- they told me that I needed to read this book, and uh, it's called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And, and if anybody's read it, I'm sure you're already going, oh my goodness, it's such a good book. Um, maybe it, maybe you're not, but at the same time for me, it's been amazing. I'm not even finished with it yet. I'm, I'm more than halfway through, but Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. And uh, I want to read some things from it and talk about it. And we'll see where we go. It's just me today. And uh, I think it'll be enlightening. I think it'll help all of us. I know in my life, especially with ADD, being present, being just in the now is uh, has always been difficult. It's very easy for me to focus on the past. It's easy. It's really easy for me to focus on the future or to just kind of be distracted by other things. So my mom kind of, uh, she kind of blames me quite a bit for, well, it's not a blame. She doesn't blame me, but it's, I have a really poor memory. So when it comes to long-term memory, um, I don't remember, I don't remember my childhood at all. Like I don't remember my baptism. I don't remember, um, like I remember, I know that I was baptized and I know that like that day happened, but I can't see it. And there's, there's many, many things that camping trips and whatnot that I just, I just have a very hard time recalling. Like when we watch home videos, I don't, uh, it's like watching them for the first time. It's not very frequent that I watch a home video and, and think, oh yeah, I remember that. Like it's, it's to me more of like a, oh, okay. So that happened, huh? And I, and my mom, that's what I meant by blaming, but she, she thinks it has a lot to do with my, my struggle that I've had throughout my, my, my life to just be where, to be where I'm at when I'm there. And, uh, and I used to fight her on it a little bit and kind of be defensive. And, and now as I, the more and more I get into this, it, it actually makes a lot of sense that memories and yeah, memories and, and good times, they, they are, they're experiencing greater joy and greater power. And therefore the, the brain remembers them better uh, when we're just in the moment. And so to be honest, I, I think that there's a lot I could talk about on this and, and it, I'll probably kind of go all over the map today, but that's okay. So, cause one of the things I think um, with my struggle, for example, and I think in, in the struggles of most people that I talk to, and if you're listening, I'm, I'm sure like we, we just, we struggle to be in the now. And, and one of the reasons I think it is, is because of the fear of joy and I was talking to my brother-in-law this weekend about this fear that's very interesting. And he said, well, wait, Shaden, why do you think that, why do you think that people are, you think they're really actually afraid of joy? And I said, yeah, I said, I think it's one of the, I think it's one of the emotions that people experience the least sadly. And, um, I said, we're mostly, you know, we kind of, most of us are a bit afraid or 
avoidant of things that we don't understand and or that are unfamiliar to us and and it's not a familiar emotion for a lot of people to feel joy for an extended period of time and you know think about it right think about your life right now and when is the last time you felt joy and how long did it last how long did it last until you started to think until you started to do something else until you moved on there are times when I I know Shelly and I, when we can get lost in a joyful like moment. She was making fun of me the other day because she bought this this uh, she bought this wrapping paper for my daughter's birthday that had glitter all over it, and it was like super textured. And I could I, I swear to you, I could barely touch this stuff. And uh, and so I was trying to wrap this present, and the tape wouldn't even stick to it. And I was giving her all this crap, and and we just we just completely. Like she just busted laughing and, and I did too. And, and from, it was like this moment of like, this is just hilarious how pathetic I, <laughs> I am when it comes to like, seriously, I cannot stand glitter. And, uh, I was like this little kid throwing this tantrum, like, why did you buy this? Like, I can't even touch this stuff. And, and we just had this joyful moment and then it was, you know, it was over. And, uh, and it wasn't because I necessarily ran away from it, but it's just, it's hard to sustain it. Whereas sadness and anger and frustration and stress, like sadly, those are those are emotions that we're very familiar with, and we're and because we're so familiar with them, sometimes I think that we can actually become a bit dependent or even like addicted to them. Where it's just what we know, and because it's what we know, we we struggle to let go and and just be now. And and uh, you know, I've had a lot of I've had a lot of experiences lately with death and. One of my good friends, his father passed away recently, and and it's just reminded me again of of how how short life is, and and again in his moments now in in grieving his father, he's he's going through all the joyful moments, and uh, not necessarily the sorrowful ones, you know, and and it's it's that joy that becomes so powerful. So I want to read a, a little section from our this book, um, and uh, and just kind of talk about it. This is some pretty cool stuff that if you've never really thought about thinking or if you've never thought about uh, I don't know I guess it's more or less like who we are kind of on maybe a deeper level um, this is just a good little good little thinker even if you have put a lot of thought into that so this is from page uh, well my I, I guess it won't matter because this is my audio or my digital copy but um, it's in the very very beginning of the book uh, Eckhart Tolle, he says, he's talking about himself, and he says, One night, not long after my 29th birthday, I woke up in the early hours with a feeling of absolute dread. I had woken up with such a feeling many times before, but this time it was more intense than it had ever been. The silence of the night, the vague outlines of the furniture in the dark room, the distant noise of a passing train, everything felt so alien, so hostile, and so utterly meaningless that it created an in me a deep loathing of the world. I know many of us have, uh, we can relate to that. The most loathsome thing of all, however, was my own existence. What was the point in continuing to live with this burden of misery? Why carry on with this continuous struggle? I could feel that a deep longing for annihilation, for non-existence, was now becoming much stronger than the instinctive desire to continue to live. I cannot live with myself any longer, 
This was the thought that kept repeating itself in my mind. Then, suddenly, I became aware of what a peculiar thought it was. And this is where I want you all to listen very closely. He says, Am I one or two? If I cannot live with myself, there must be two of me, the I and the self, that I cannot live with. Maybe, I thought, only one of them is real. I was so stunned by this strange realization that my mind stopped. I was fully conscious, but there were no more thoughts. Then I felt drawn into what seemed like a vortex of energy. It was a slow movement at first and then accelerated. I was gripped by an intense fear and my body started to shake. I heard the words resist nothing as if spoken inside my chest. I could feel myself being sucked into a void as if it felt as if the void was inside myself rather than outside. Suddenly, there was no more fear and I let myself fall into that void. I have no recollection of what happened after that. So then he goes on and says that, he, you know, when he awoke, he, he was extremely present and he heard the birds chirping and he saw a pencil on his desk and that he touched the pencil and he, he felt like he was seeing everything for the first time. And, um, and what, what power this created for him. And, uh, and then he said, I knew, of course, that something profoundly significant had happened to me, but I didn't understand it at, at all. It wasn't until several years later, after I had, re have read, had read spiritual texts and spent time with spiritual teachers, that I realized that what everybody was looking for had already happened to me. I understood that the intense pressure of suffering that night might, must have forced my consciousness to withdraw from its identi identification with the unhappy and deeply fearful self, which is ultimately a fiction of the mind. This withdrawal must have been so complete that this false suffering self immediately collapsed just as if a plug had been pulled out of an inflatable toy. What was left then was my true nature as the ever-present I am, consciousness in its pure state prior to identification with form. So, that's a lot. And that's a, that, that, that makes some, I'm sure that's making you think. And it's also making me think. What I take from this, first off, I love what he says that am I a one, am I one, or am I two? And, uh, you know, in, in the beginning of this book, he, did, he explains, and actually he goes on, he goes on to talk about uh, the mind not being who we are. And, uh, in fact, let me find that and read that. He says, let's see here. Identification with your mind creates an opaque screen of concepts, labels, images, words, judgments, and definitions that block all true relationship. It comes between you and yourself, between you and your fellow man and, women, and woman, between you and nature, between you and God. It is this screen of thought that creates the illusion of separateness, the illusion that there is you and, to and a totally separate other. You then forget the essential fact that underneath the level of physical appearances and separate forms, you are one with all that is. 
By forget, I mean that you can no longer feel this oneness as a self-evident reality. You may believe it is to be true, but you no longer know it to be true. A belief may be comforting only through your own experience. However, does it become liberating? Thinking has become a disease. Disease happens when things get out of balance. But when this process continues in, in disregard of the total organism, cells proliferate and we have disease. He says, to put it more accurately, it is not so much that you use your mind wrongly. You usually don't use it at all. It uses you. This is the disease. You believe that you are your mind. This is the delusion. The instrument has taken you over. So after all of that, I know that if you're just thoroughly confused, I apologize. That was not my intent, but it, it can be a little bit more difficult to understand. In some, and this is, uh, I'm going to do my best here. In some, what I hear him saying is, again, we are not our mind. And if I talk about it spiritually, it's as if he's saying, right, we are a, we are a spirit, a divine being. God created us spiritually. And he gave us he gave us a brain. That brain is an organ, just like the heart or just like the lungs. It, it has a function, and our brain is built to think, right? It, that's what it does. It's like a conveyor belt. It takes in data from the outside world, puts it on the conveyor belt, and it, it's always looking for threats of danger. That's it. It's what it's trying to do, and so it's, it does it all the time, constant, 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 bringing in data, bringing in data, and what he is trying to get us to see is that we are not our mind. We aren't even our thoughts. Thoughts are just thoughts, and emotions are just emotions. But we, when we become present, when we, when we let go and allow ourselves to, to be and focus on complete acceptance of the here and now, no matter what situation we're in, we become more powerfully connected to Heavenly Father, to our God. In other words, that our, our spirit has a connection with him. And that spiritual intelligence, that it, our intelligence being connected with his intelligence, allows for the flow of revelation. It, it, it allows for the flow of perfect knowledge, if you will, which is far greater and far more powerful than thinking. It's far po more powerful and greater than just thinking. Now, am I suggesting that we don't think? No, nor is he. But he's asking us, can you, can you tell yourself not to think? And if you know me, you know, if, if Brie were on this, if, if Brie were here right now, she'd be laughing because I've talked to her a lot about it. And, and Shelly for sure knows about how I stay up at night and I can't sleep. I'm getting better at controlling my thoughts, that's for sure. But it's because of that very question. Who's in control? Is my mind in control of me or am I in control of my mind? And I would suggest that all of you that are listening really, really struggle. Most of the time, you struggle to control your mind. In fact, it just, it kind of becomes the thing that you react to every day of your life. And it's just, it happens to be a good day when your mind just happens to be doing good things, when your mind just happens to be free. That's why we go on vacations. That's why we do, we do. We, we, we watch endless shows. We, we do so many things. Why? It's, been, it's our false attempt at getting our mind 
to think about things that are are good and are and, and does that seem does that say it's bad not necessarily but but it, it really comes down to that question is who is in charge is my spirit in charge am i in charge of what i think have i have i gained the ability or am i getting stronger with my ability to to not think and to just be i would say most of us really struggle and therefore we struggle to experience joy because joy can't be felt in the future and the holy ghost can't be felt in the future joy can't be felt in the past and the holy ghost can't be felt in the past it can only be felt now it can only be experienced now and so having the ability to just stay here and to to learn that is a huge quest of mine and i think it should be a quest of all of you to get better at being where you are when you're there. Now, again, this is why I said that I don't feel like I'm an expert. I'm just, I'm still learning so much. And, uh, and I'm glad that I'm learning a lot because it's, again, it's, it's just this new, this new thing, but I've noticed that in therapy, this is my therapy has become my, my, uh, my workout room, if you will, this is where I get to practice. And I've noticed that there's a couple, there have been, there have been a few times where I've been able to just, I sit and I, and I just breathe and my clients don't know that I'm doing it. I mean, obviously they know I'm breathing, but, but for me, um, it's really easy for me when I, when someone comes in and if they're talking to me about their, what their, you know, their struggles or their goals or whatever they're trying to focus on, it's really easy for me to, to think, oh yeah, like I've, I definitely know what they're talking about. I've heard this before and, and this is, uh, you know, this isn't new and I almost jump to my own conclusion of what they need and, and uh, in other words, I just get thinking a lot. And, um, and I noticed how that was actually becoming a burden. And so as I've, as I've told myself and given myself permission to, to be teachable. So to me, what I've focused on is meekness, which, is, which meekness means to be teachable. As I've focused on being teachable, in other words, I've been asking in my mind, I've been saying, I've been looking at my clients and saying, will you please teach me more about you? It's been amazing at how how much more present and connected I've been with them and how much more emotional in a healthy way and how much more empathy I've been able to actually have with them. And um, and then I see it in my, my daily life as well. Now, am I, again, am I an expert on this? Heck no, not even close. But I know each of you listening could do, do an experiment today, right? Do an experiment today. And I dare you. I dare you to give up worry and replace your worry with focus on now. So in other words, if you're if you're going home and you have your kids with you and you know you have a lot of things to do, I dare you to give up all of that tracking that's going on, set a plan for when you're going to do those things, and then let them go and be where you're at. If your kid wants you to play Legos, go play Legos and be there and try to try to allow yourself to just to be there with them eye contact helps um you know obviously conversation really helps us to get into the here and now oh not always but it does um you start figuring this out though because this is a journey that i'm on and again i that's why i don't have a ton of like great advice but that's okay it doesn't mean that focusing on joy um or being in the here and now can't become something you learn and just so you know as a, a little bit of a i guess f- for me what's helped 
me to focus is I have been trying to focus on joy. That word to me is tangible. That feeling and that not even the feeling of joy, but the honestly, like just the the state of being in joy. I know what that feels like. And and so if I'm not there, then I know that oftentimes I'm kind of away from I must be away from my moment. And um, it doesn't mean that I'm always like in, in crazy happiness, but it just there's just a, a peace and more of a tranquil state when I focus there. And, uh, and I'm noticing and beginning to learn the things that I need to do to stay there. And I think that is individual for everybody. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, uh, I hope you learned something today. I hope it didn't overly confuse you, but you, you are, you are not your mind. You are you, and you are eternally and divinely connected to a powerful, powerful divine heavenly father who can inspire you with knowledge all the time. Um, but if we're too busy thinking, he can't get there a lot of the time. When we're too busy uh, thinking about especially the things that really don't matter, then uh, then the conduit's kind of closed off. And so I think he would rather he would rather us think and ponder about things of that really matter, but to also give a give plenty of open space in our daily lives for him to just be with us and to speak with us in that way. And uh, and so, anyway, maybe we'll talk about this again later and soon as I kind of find new insights from my life. But I hope it helps you and give you something a little bit new to think about. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.